So we're settling into this season of Lent, season of repentance, of turning back to God. We do this in order for God to save us and to love us, right? So it's just really important, I think, that, that um, kind of everything, everything we do, but in a particular way that we see Lent, the Lent through the lens of relationship. So the things I'm doing with uh, this time during Lent, what does that have to do with my relationship to God, right? That's the end, that's the goal of everything, so that's what we want to have or focus on. Um, so we do some things to make space to turn to God. But Lent is also a time when, when God wants to be very active. He wants to do his work. So it's not just all on us. No, God wants to be active and in, in moving in your life. And he wants to save you. I hope you know that. That God actually wants to save you. Sometimes we're tempted to think God's just kind of like, he's ambivalent, right? He's like, meh. If it works out, that'd be nice. If not, you know, what are you going to do? You win some, you lose some. That God's just kind of up there, and you do your part, and some are saved, and some aren't, and he's just, you know, kind of like, either way. No, no, no. God is totally on your side. Like, he's fighting for you. He's laboring for you. In fact, for each and every one of you, God has a very concrete plan to save you, to bring you into eternal life. He has a specific plan for you, Right now, he's doing it. He's actively working out that plan. And if you let him do it, you'll be saved. For me, that's just a big load off. Because sometimes I get confused and I think, like, I got to figure some stuff out and I got to do it just right. Um, yeah, as if it's on me. Your salvation is not on you. You do have to receive it, you do have to cooperate with it. But you don't save yourself, God saves you. You get saved and you get loved. Love is coming. Salvation's coming. When St. Paul was talking to Timothy, he's trying to encourage him to, to, to bear his hardships so things are hard. And he's like, that's okay. Bear your hardships for the sake of the gospel. He says, God saved us and called us to a holy life, not according to our works, but according to his own designs. So a couple things to notice there. First off, Paul doesn't say God is going to save us. He says God saved us. Paul and Timothy are still alive. They're still working. But he says, God has saved us. Important question, have you been saved? Yeah. We don't typically talk like that, us, Protest or us Protestants. Oops, <laughs> wrong church. <laughs> Got to go change the sign out front. Yeah, us Catholics don't typically talk like that. Have you been saved? We get, we're like, well, uh, <laughs> I eat fish on Fridays. Yeah, so have you been saved? The answer is Yes. So you got saved by Jesus on the cross. He paid all the debt for all of your sins. And by your baptism, that salvation was given to you. So now you've been joined to God. Salvation is getting joined to God. So that's happened. So you've been saved. So salvation has already taken place. It says here that God saved you not because of your works. So it's not because of something you did or not because of your efforts. No, it was his own designs, meaning the plan of his heart. So God desired to save you, and he did it. You didn't have to get him to do it. No, he, he, he saved you of his own accord, of his own desire, of his own plans. Yeah, so that, that his grace and the grace bestowed on us in Christ Jesus before time began might now be made manifest. So we've been saved. We've been united to God. But God is about the work of transforming us, of, of filling us with his life. 
Now there's a certain pattern that that follows. And that's the pattern of death and resurrection. So even though we've been saved, we've been joined to Christ, so there's a pattern of, of laying down our lives, of consenting to what God is calling us to, of denying ourselves. So there is a pattern of, of dying that leads to rising. So that's for everybody. If life is really hard sometimes, that's okay. Yeah, that's part of this. And there is a purification going on. We're being transformed by that. When we talk about dying to ourselves, we're talking about dying to our false selves, our sinful selves. Not the you that you truly are. If anything, you're, you're becoming your true self, but that means you have to die to your false self, your fake self, your self-reliant self, your prideful self. And that does feel like death. Like, that's not just a cute way of putting it. It feels like actual death. To love another person when it's really inconvenient, it's really hard, it feels like death. Any moms with little babies? Yeah? Being a new mom, getting up for the sixth time in the night, feels a little bit like death. Hey, mom? Hey, mom? Hey, mom would say amen, moms, and I said, hey, mom. New word. Okay. So, like, that feels like death. It's hard sometimes to love somebody. Yeah, so really loving and denying ourselves and putting another person first, like, that's really hard. In the gospel, uh, we hear the account of the transfiguration. The transfiguration, among many things, is supposed to encourage us. The prayer of the church says that the transfiguration shows us that death leads to glory. It leads to life. We're afraid that death leads to nothing. Yeah? Like, I'm going to spend it all, and then I'm going to be dead, and then there will be nothing. No one will take care of me. There will be no one there for me. I'll have nothing left. I'll be destroyed. And Jesus, through his transfiguration, is speaking to us and showing us, no, no, no. It, it, it leads to life. So the transfiguration is a glimpse at what's to come. It's a glimpse at the glory of Jesus in the resurrection. There's something strange, kind of mysterious about the whole event, but it's, it's looking towards what is in store for Jesus in his resurrection. That's why he tells them, hey, don't tell anybody about this until I've been raised from the dead. It's like what, what you're seeing now is what is to come. So Jesus is revealing his glory, uh, the glory that awaits him after his death. But Jesus' transfiguration also prefigures your transfiguration. So your death, your laying down your life in fidelity to God and love of others will lead to your glorification. God wants you to be glorified. He wants you to be fully alive. He wants you to shine out in brilliance and in beauty. He wants you to be even more you than you've ever been before. So remember, please, nothing of Jesus' life is just for him. It's all for you also. So he's trying to encourage us in this time of Lent, too. The church gives us this reading to know the sacrifices you're making, the hard things that you're doing, even the little deaths that you're suffering, yet those are all going to lead to life if you remain with him. Um, yeah, just a couple other things to point out about the gospel. One is the only, every time the father talks, he's only got one thing to talk about because it's all he thinks about. And that's how much he loves his son. So numerous times, there's like three different times that the father's voice is heard and, and he just talks about how much he loves his son. His heart is just the heart of a father who's really proud and just rejoices over his son. The father wants to speak about you in the same way. And he just loves you. 
and he's pleased with you. And even if you've really failed or wandered or really been wounded or sinned, that doesn't matter. No, he really loves you. There's also a cry of his heart for us to listen to Jesus. Jesus wants to tell us a lot of things. He wants to tell us how good his father is. He wants to tell us how much he loves us. He wants to tell us the plan, the plan of our salvation. Not all ahead of time. Sometimes I want to get the plan all done ahead of time so that I can do it on my own. He's not going to do that for me because he loves me too much. But little by little, he wants to lead you and guide you. So uh, the Father commands us to listen to Jesus. So to really ask that question, it's a good kind of examination for each of us. How am I listening to Jesus? Am I letting him speak to me? Each of you, when you were baptized, you were uh, anointed with oil for three tasks. That's to be a priest, a prophet, and a king. So you're anointed, each of you, to be a prophet. What is a prophet? A prophet is somebody who listens to God's word and receives God's word into their mind and heart and then speaks it into the world. Your words have power, and you know this. There are certain things that certain people said to you a long, long time ago that you still think about, for better or for worse. There's words of kindness and encouragement that you heard a long time ago that gave you life, that encouraged you. There's words of harshness or cursing or disdain that like, they still stick with you, like they affect you. Our words have power. God desires that our words would bring peace and justice into the world, that we would build one another up, that we would even speak to each other of, of our goodness. Yeah, like, you're really good. You're really loved. It's good that you're here. It's good that you exist. The world's a better place because of it. Um, so you've got to pray. You just have to. If we're going to be Christians, we just have to pray. Every day. Mother Teresa wrote a letter to her nuns, and she was just begging them to, to spend time with Jesus because she's like, I still think that some of you don't know how much he loves you. She's like, how can we even go a whole day without him telling us that he loves us? This is Mother Teresa. Holy gal. And she's just like, every day, I need to be told that I'm loved. Every single day. So the father wants you to listen to his son, who wants to tell you again and again that he loves you, and that he's with you, and that you don't have to figure it out, and he's not going anywhere, and that you're really good. And so let's ask for a hunger for prayer and a desire for prayer to spend time with God and to listen to him. It also means that we just need quiet in our lives. You need quiet. You need food and drink. You need love and you need quiet. That's a thing that we need. If we're going to have ears that are tuned to God's voice, we need to be quiet. So just an encouragement as you go through Lent, if at all possible, to carve out real times of quiet, of stillness. Because it's in the stillness that we hear him. It's in the stillness that we notice our hearts. God tends to speak through our hearts. But we all need quiet to really listen to him. He doesn't force his voice upon us. Lastly, I'd like you just to linger with this idea that God has a plan for your salvation and he's doing it. And a plan for your glorification. So God has in his mind this image of you shining out in glory like Jesus' transfiguration. And he has a plan for how to bring that about and he's actively doing it. 
and life is hard sometimes, and there's suffering and there's the cross. Those are all very real, but it's all leading to glorification if we remain with him, if we stay with him, if we give our lives to him. So I'd like to just to invite God to show you the plans of his heart for you, the designs of his heart for your salvation and for your glory. <laughs> 